welcome to the latest episode of the Celtic View podcast. The podcasts are coming thick and fast, as you would expect, during this lockdown period. And they are coming to you in association with our sponsor, Eden Mill. So we thank the good people at Eden Mill, not only for their support of the club throughout the season, but also at this particular time and in sponsoring this podcast. And today I'm joined with my Celtic View colleague, Tony Conley. We're delighted to have as our podcast guest today, Jack Naylor, who is Head of Sports Science at Celtic. Jack, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. As I said right at the introduction, it's, it's, a, it's a strange time for all of us and Quite often we are used to maybe working remotely and we can work, uh, you know, via the internet, etc. But a lot of, and very much what you do is, is with the players on a day-to-day basis on the training pitch. So how have you adjusted to that? Um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's strange times, um, working largely from home, uh, trying to keep in touch with players. It's felt in some ways a little bit more constant. Uh, you're used to turning up at the training ground seeing the boys in the morning, uh, going out for training, and then the, the generally knocking around the gym and stuff in the afternoons after lunch. Um, but now it's, um, they're all, they've all got programs and stuff, but they're out fending for themselves a little bit. We're expecting them to lead the work. And uh, so they're doing it in their own time when it suits them. So yeah. we're, I, you know, I'm getting almost constant, WhatsApp messages and updates on what they're doing throughout the day. So it's almost feels a little bit more, uh, in some ways, a little bit busier because I'm dealing with players all through the day into the evening now, as opposed to just whilst we're at the training ground during the day. Yeah. Are the players sort of sending you data in, Jack, maybe like from heart rate monitors from the training that they've been doing throughout the day? Yeah, so all the guys, um, this is, the, the situation was obviously very fluid the last few weeks and it changed quite quickly. So we've had to scramble a bit to get ourselves sorted, but um, uh, most of the guys now have heart rate belts um, and or will be receiving them soon. Um, so they're wearing those for running around, uh, any training they do indoors or outdoors. Uh, and then we've also, um, we're following them. They've got an app on their phone so that we can track all the distances they do and stuff. And that comes in direct to me. I get an update every day when they do stuff. So get that collected up. Yeah, because obviously it's a, it's a challenge for them as well. As you say, they're normally used to the, the discipline almost of the training pitch. But did, did your your team have to very quickly, as you say, very quickly get together and work out how you're going to be able to, to deal with the players every day and make sure that you're giving them a programme that they can work to? Yeah, um, John Curry's the head of um, fitness and conditioning and he's he's pulled together all the programs for the guys, designed all their programs, um, tailored them brilliantly. So they're all um, individual to each player. Um, he's put in a, a lot of work over the last couple of weeks, pulling all of that together. Um, from my side, I've set up the monitoring and the, and the systems in place to kind of record what they do. And we've also provided the guys with some um, nutrition packs. So they've all got uh, some protein powder, some uh, stuff to help, uh, boost immunity and stuff like that they've taken home with them. Yeah, because interestingly, um, Tony had spoke to Callum McGregor last week and uh, he was talking about what he was doing and there's still that edge of competition, which I suppose they need. They're talking about doing 5K, almost a 5K challenge with each other. But I suppose the, the nature of them is they're very competitive. So you, you want to build that into their, their plans as well? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think we're starting to realise now that um, this is going to be for a prolonged period of time. It's not just going to be several weeks. It's going to be a bit longer than that. So 
um, trying to keep everyone motivated and interested is, is really important. And obviously, as you said, <laughs> these guys are competitive, particularly with each other. Um, so any way that we can help to build on that, help to get a little bit of banter flying around between them, help them to, and it helps push them push each other on as well. So yeah, we'll yeah. definitely look to exploit those opportunities where we can. Does the lack of a, a firm timeline as to when you know, normal training would resume, does that present challenges in how you would set out your sort of nutrition and training plans for the players, or is it always pretty much constant anyway? Um, well, it makes it... It does present some challenges because you, at the, um, you know, normally our training is very tailored towards specific goals. So, yeah. an, on a normal week-to-week basis, we're all of our training is tailored towards um, the next game. And obviously, we don't have something like that at the moment. So, it does change slightly. I think, um, as I said, this is a prolonged period out now, probably. So, um, it's about maintaining that those baseline levels of fitness so that when we do get back in together and we can train together again, um, we can, you know, hopefully accelerate the process as quick as we can in a safe yeah. way. I mean, if you, one of the things we were curious about in terms of you had to be even creative in terms of the training plans for the players, because obviously you're having to adapt it for their living circumstances, for example. Um, yes, everyone's different. Um, Again, um, JC, John Curry's done a really good job um, liaising with all the boys in terms of what they've got available at home and trying to provide them with equipment. Um, you know, Cal McGregor mentioned a really good example. He's got his own gym at home um, that he's put in himself. So that's brilliant because that um, just allows so much more possibility. You know, some, some of the boys... Um, live out in the countryside so they can get out and about on bikes uh, running some of the boys though live in the west end of glasgow and it's obviously densely populated and not so easy to go and find uh, space to go and do the exercise you need to do yeah um, and i suppose that balance of of the fitness as tony touched on already is you know the balanced diet as well to make sure that they're still they're exercising properly but eating properly at the same time yeah um we obviously don't want anyone to come back ridiculously overweight because that, you know, as we said, once we're back in, we need to be as expedient as possible and as quick as possible in getting everyone back up to speed and fully fit. So if we can make sure that everyone's coming back in good nick, then that helps. Yeah. What about yourself in terms of, obviously, you guys and your team are, are very fit. And, and again, that on a daily basis, you've had to adjust your own circumstances for, for keeping fit too. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I've been uh, running in the morning. So we've got a number of the staff on, on the same app and things as the players. So we all kind of, similar kind of process. Uh, everyone's recording what they're doing and we just keep an eye on each other because, um, again, even amongst the staff, there's always a bit of healthy competition and a bit of yeah. um, challenge that goes around. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't do that at Celtic View because Tony is by far the fittest. So the, no, Tony, the, Tony's by far the fittest of anyone in the club. I, think. <laughs> so, I don't think any of the staff of anywhere have got a chance. Uh, uh, made... Only when it comes to running, if you were to ever put a ball at my feet, I would embarrass myself in the back of an eye. <laughs> you mentioned there, Jack, uh, Callum McGregor, and I think, I think 50 games for us, he's played another six for Scotland, and you know, not, not only his, his fitness levels must be so impressive, but just the quality of his playing. It must be great and throughout that squad to be working with guys like that with that attitude and application. 
you know, um, we're, we're really fortunate at the club, really fortunate with the quality of the boys that we've got in the squad. Um, they, they're humble, work hard. They want to do better all the time. And Cal's probably one of the leaders in that. Um, he's, he kind of personifies those kind of qualities and, um, and he's, he's brilliant. His work rate, as you said, his fitness levels, but just his relentlessness as well. He's, you know, every day he's in, he's getting around everyone, driving people on. And we've got a number of boys like that. Bruni, brilliant captain. Yeah, all these guys, um, brilliant at driving the team on the standards that they've maintained um, this season and over the past few seasons that I've been at the club, I've been really fortunate to witness that. So it's been good. Yeah. When I was speaking to Callum the other day, he was talking about how he, he quite enjoys cooking, which must be, um, you must really enjoy hearing that from the, the players knowing that, you know, they're into their nutrition as well. Have you found yourself having to sort of pass on any cooking lessons or additional nutrition advice now that the players are having to take uh, more responsibility with that aspect? Yeah, so, um, as I said, we've, we sent them home with some, some packs. We've set them up with um, information they can get their hands on. Uh, Rob Norton, our nutritionist, has been in touch with all of them. Um, uh, we've also looked at using, so for those guys who perhaps aren't so good at cooking, um, there's certain meal prep companies that will deliver prepared healthy meals to your home um, that we've looked to use as well. Um, but yeah, we're just in trying to keep on top of them, trying to keep in touch with them, um, and yeah, help them as much as we can, really. Well, I'm going to uh, put one of these seamless links that I sometimes uh, introduce into the Celtic View podcast, and we spoke about Callum McGregor there, and we're going to just take a wee pause and listen back to he scored 13 goals this season, his best ever total for the season. One of the the best goals I think from this season was at Fir Park back in February. Uh, so we're just going to listen to the commentary for that wonderful Callum McGregor goal. Forward towards Forrest. Flipped inside to Christie. Christie back to Forrest. Good play from Celtic. Forrest across now to McGregor. Volley's it. Oh, that's a wonder goal from Callum McGregor. The play was exquisite. The finish was divine. Callum McGregor, two assists and an absolute belter. Celtic three. Mullerwell, no. That was what a pass from McGregor there. Just that first touch there to tee himself up and then he smashes it on the ball. He passed the keeper from just inside the box. What a finish, sensational. And what a way to, to cap off a, a wonderful bit of build-up play there from Celtic. Some great passing. Jack, in terms of, of, of your role at the club, Jack, in terms of being head of sports science and it's such a key part of, of football now and even in your time in football you must have seen how much that's continued to develop and grow yeah it's changed massively um, changed massively it's a huge part of um, the modern game as him you sort of quoted some of the numbers on the number of games that Cairns played this year and the number of games um, at the top level in football now is is ridiculous and it's it's a relentless almost almost 12 months season now that the boys are involved with, particularly if they're playing international football. Um, so the kind of understanding and insight that sports science has brought to the game over the last few years has is, is, um, really kind of impacted on it on a lot of, lot of different areas of the game. Um, we know that the game now is a lot faster, um, a lot more high intensity distance covered in matches now than there was kind of 10, 15 years ago. 
And I take it, uh, obviously, for you and your role, I'm guessing it's, that's constantly evolving and you're constantly learning because you're finding out new things all the time and, and pushing yourself in terms of your areas of expertise. I think that's part of um, just, I think, science in general, if it's you know in sports science, if you're working in medicine or if you're working in any um, area of scientific discovery, it's you, this curiosity to kind of understand what's going on and try and learn more and how that might help and impact what you do. Um, so, yeah, you are. And also, as well, you, you're working in your particular area. So the things that we know now about the current uh, Celtic squad might not apply to uh, another squad of players at a different club. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're trying to learn and tailor everything and be as specific as you can with your group of players. Are there, are there any areas, Jack, of, of sports science which you have found to be the most fascinating or which have developed um, the, the quickest in recent years, whether that be sort of recovery techniques or, you know, advice and research into sleep or, or different things? Are, are there any areas that are really quite fast-moving in that regard? Um, I think the things are evolving across the board all the time. I think one, one thing that's interesting in sports science is you um, things become, I guess, in like in any industry, things become quite fashionable and then yeah. um, unfashionable again. I think you, you mentioned recovery. Uh, you know, there is a lot of things famous, the famous or infamous ice baths that um, the players do. Um, these kind of additional tools are, are, are great for helping us, but actually, what we know now um, in the last few years is that. In terms of recovery, you can't beat good quality sleep and good quality food. Um, they're going to be the biggest things that help you recover. And then the things like ice baths, uh, the compression tights and socks you see uh, athletes wearing, um, the uh, cryotherapy type stuff that's become quite um, prevalent in the media. You see a lot of people doing that. These are all great things that help, but they're add-ons uh, that will sort of help the process, but your biggest things we know now are, are sleep and nutrition. Can't beat those. And I, I take it as well, you've seen probably an evolution in the attitude of players that they, they're more interested maybe in, in that, the sports science side of things because they see the benefits that it gives them on a daily basis, but particularly in their performances. Yeah, I think so. And I, I also think that players now are coming through um, almost sort of sports science natives, if you like, because they're exposed to it to such a degree at academy level now. Yeah. So players come through and it's, that's the norm. That's what they expect. It's what, they, you know, what, what is normal practice for them. So they come through and expect that. Um, yeah. So I, I think when I first started 12 years ago, there was um, still from sort of senior, senior players at that point, a lot of suspicion around it because they, you know, they'd had long careers, been hugely successful. And suddenly someone was going to turn up and tell them that what they were doing was potentially different or not the best way of doing something. Then there was obviously a lot of suspicion around it. Yeah. And I suppose when you've got, you mentioned already, when you've got senior players like Scott Brown and Callum McGregor and, you know, they are so responsive to it. But also when you see other players see the benefits of that, then that, that they're almost leading by example as well. Yeah, I think so. I think when, when you've got guys like Bruni and Cal and the, um, they're really driving on. But I think all the, all the boys see the benefits of it. Um, I think what has seen this really well over the last few years has been our fitness levels in games. Um, and I think the, the boys appreciate that and understand that. And 
and they know um, that the best way to get there is kind of through the work that we do with them and, and putting in the hard yards. Yeah, because suppose that one of the things you see even in 2020, obviously the work that you guys did with them in Dubai, then that pays off when, when the, the form we've been in since we've returned to competitive football has been incredible. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a really good week for us. Um, the boys trained really hard. Um, and But also I think we were, we were aware that we were coming off the back of a really, really busy six months, particularly December. And also with the um, continued European campaign, we were going into a really busy period in the January and February. So uh, whilst the guys trained hard with some really good intensity, we didn't. We were quite mindful that we didn't overload them and push them too much. Because I was wondering that, you know, that when you talk about that December schedule, nine games in December, that mm. must present for you and your team real challenges because... You know, there's very little time for recovery before another high-intensity game, and, and must be a lot of planning goes into that month in particular. Yeah, as you, you mentioned, it's all about recovery. Um, the, it's about trying to get the guys through, and again, as I mentioned, um, nutrition, sleep. Um, it's what what the, you know we can help control to a large extent a lot of the nutrition because they're at the training ground so much or in hotels, things like that. So we can really. Uh, help to control the meals that they get, the makeup of those meals, um, things like that. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a big month for recovery. The other challenge as well is for the guys who aren't in the starting 11 to keep them fit because the, we're not training as much. Um, we're playing a lot of games. Um, so, again, the work that JC does in terms of their fitness and keep, keeping them fit is um, really important. I mean, he, I, I, I've played... Uh, a kick-about game against John, and he's phenomenally fit as well. And yeah. with a, man with a really good left foot. Yeah, no, unbelievable. Um, yeah, but he's got a great left foot. He's really fit. He's, so he's a good example for the boys because he can always try and keep up with them and, and, and push them as well. Yeah. We also thought in terms of, of having you on as well as talking about your work with the team, it may be quite a good idea to, to maybe give some advice to people who are maybe just, again, stuck in the house. I have to say... Just in preparation for this, I went out on a two-mile run this morning just to try and impress you. Um, nice work. Well, I think I think it's going to take me a while to recover from that. But um... <laughs> have a nap. <laughs> just put your feet up later on. Have a snooze. Right, I'll I'll, I'll say to my boss um, yeah. if that's okay. Um, one of the things, because Tony particularly put some questions in, and you know, Tony, you mentioned already, he's Mister Superfight. Does a lot of running. One of the things I know he'll ask some questions as well. But uh, if people are using less energy because I maybe been in the house, what kind of foods should they avoid or reduce during this time? Probably all the things that we enjoy the most because they're the things that are so densely packed with energy. So, yeah. Um, and it's the same, and it's not really any different to what we should look to limit anyway in our normal daily life. So your sweets, chocolate, um, fizzy drinks, things that are densely packed with a lot of sugar or a lot of fat have a lot of energy in them. So if you want to... Um, sort of you're, you're reducing your energy output, you need to reduce what you're putting in at the other end. So, um, yeah, those densely packed kind of uh, high-energy foods are the ones we should be avoiding. With the sort of restrictions on the amount of time that people can spend outside, is like home workouts, I think, is something that everybody's sort of now looking into, and many people probably for the, the first time, they, you know, they might usually get their exercise from from going a walk or something, but now if they're confined in, in the home, is there any sort of 
uh, advice and the exercise that they should do with that, whether it be you know 30 minutes high intensity or, or doing stretches or sort of circuits. Is that something that, that you would advise people to, to get into on a daily basis now if they're, they're stuck indoors? I think if you're, if you're stuck indoors, just being able to move about will help you just with your mental health as much as anything. Um, it'll help to keep you fresh. And I, I think whilst you're indoors, um, there's a number of things. It's, it depends how much space you've got, obviously, but there's plenty of stuff you can do on the spot. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said, 30 minutes or so of um, some kind of activity, whether it be if you've got the ability to do some skipping or if you're just doing some squats, lunges, press-ups, body weight type exercise in the living room, um, that'll really help. But then, as you said, it's also a good opportunity if you... No, uh, you're particularly inflexible or something like that. It's a good opportunity to work on some of those things as well. Yeah, I think at this time as well, it's easy to let your regular working schedule slip. Um, is it really important to keep a, a sort of strict sleeping pattern as well? Because I think a lot of people might be like, oh, I don't have that hour-long commute to work, so I'll stay up a bit later and sleep in a bit. Is it? Is that bad to kind of try and shift your sleeping pattern like that? Should you try and keep it quite regimented as before? Well, I think um, we tend to be creatures of habit. Uh, we like quite like routine. So I think having um, keeping to your routine, keeping to what your body knows is probably a good way of um, sort of keeping yourself in a good place mentally as well as physically. Um, so I, I think that's, that's probably a good idea. I also think that one of the things we, we know about sleep is that, or a couple of things we know about sleep is that in general, we are, um, most people are a bit sleep deprived in general in their everyday lives. We should be getting eight to nine hours a night of good quality sleep. Um, so in general, um, people tend to be averaging between six and seven. So we, in general, we're a bit sleep deprived. We know that sleep's really important for um, your immunity as, as much as uh, your physical, the rest of your physical well-being and your mental well-being. So actually, now might be a good opportunity to actually look at your how much you sleep um, maybe you try and maintain the same time you get up in the morning but maybe look at going to bed a little bit earlier to, to help improve your sleep <clears throat> and something you touched on earlier on about how things can become quite fashionable in, in sports science and the media and I think one thing that's been fashionable for a while now is things like intermittent fasting. Um, I was quite curious to hear your thoughts on that for the average person. If, if at this time, you know, being stuck indoors, it would be worth maybe experimenting with those things, or are the sort of gains from that really minimal and it's just sort of been blown up by the media? Well, um, we already spoke about reducing your calorific intake to your energy intake if you're going to be expending less energy. I actually think for a number of people, they might actually end up expending a bit more energy over the coming months because I think, from what I've seen anyway around me, there seems to be a lot more people out jogging, a lot more people going using their hour to go for a walk. Um, and I think that's potentially more than what a lot of people might get without realising it. You know, if, you're, if you work in an office eight hours a day and you drive like an hour's commute to that office, you spend an hour sat in the car, you get yeah. out and sit in your office all day, Maybe have your hours lunch break where you go to the canteen, sit in the canteen and eat your lunch. You go back to your desk and you drive home for an hour and you sit on the sofa all evening. And now you've got people actually actively getting outside, seeing people jogging, people going for a walk. So there might actually be people who are getting more active. And this, I think it's potentially we could all be a little bit fitter by the end of this. Yeah. Um, 
but in, to come back to your point on intermittent fasting, so we said if you are expending less energy, you do want to be taking less energy in. Um, and intermittent fasting is similar to any other kind of diet, really, and that the way it works is just by reducing your calorific intake. Um, most diets, that's how they work. They get dressed up in different ways, but um, essentially, if you are intermittent fasting by, say, only eating between the hours of midday and 9 p.m., then you're not having breakfast, you're not having your mid, you're maybe a mid-morning biscuit with a coffee, whereas immediately your calorific intake is coming down, so the amount of energy you take in is coming down. So although, again, it's quite fashionable and perhaps dressed up in a different way, the way it actually affects your body isn't any different to any other kind of diet. I'm, I'm guessing as well for you, Jack, that uh, over and above all the, the exercise you're doing, ch you know, chasing about after your young family will keep you fit as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've got uh, my daughter's two and a half, um, keep trying to keep her entertained at the moment. Challenge. It's, for the first, well, it's been a couple of weeks now. She's, I don't think she realised too much was different, but she did say to us yesterday, I just, I just want to go places. <laughs> um, so she's starting to twig on that there's something not quite right. I think the fact that I'm at home every day as well. Yeah. Um, probably getting bored of the sight of me. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, for for people who are maybe just listening, are there any, we were looking for maybe even two or three simple tips that you could give people as, a, as that kind of basis for staying healthy during the lockdown? Uh, so I think the first one, um, sleep, really important. So potentially a lot of people um, binging on Netflix series or um, streaming loads of stuff and end up staying up really late, I think, and think, well, it's not not, not an issue because I'm not going to get up for anything in the morning. Well, I think it's really important, uh, as we mentioned, to try and stick to your routine in terms of the time you get up, but also to look at potentially getting more sleep. Because as we said, it helps your immunity, helps your physical and mental well-being. Um, so it's, this is actually a really good opportunity to get some good sleep in and, and build that, a good habit in that regard. Um, avoiding those really energy dense foods um, so anything fizzy drinks uh, sweets chocolate cakes um, I know Easter's coming up so it's not always easy but um, yeah uh, all of those kind of things that will just help to keep your calorie intake down and then I think as well just just moving find a way that works for you whether that's in the house whether you go out for a walk every day um, if you can get out in the garden if you've got a garden just moving, I think, is and, and in a way that works for you, that you're happy with. Um, because at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy it, it won't be sustainable. But yeah. if, you, if you start, if you've previously not done a lot of exercise and you just start out by doing a half-hour walk every day or um, going for a short jog or doing a little bit in the house, then it might be, this, and you enjoy it, it might be the start of a good lifelong habit that you can continue once all this, once we move beyond the current situation. Yeah, I suppose that's the, that's the thing. Obviously, the message to everybody, you know, we've seen it from the players, the managers, everybody to stay safe, take the advice, stay indoors. But in the fullness of time, everybody, you, you, you'll be no different than what just to get back and, and do what you do best and on that training pitch with, with those players. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, definitely uh, miss miss that every day, getting in, getting interaction with the boys, with the other staff. Um, yeah getting them out training. It's always a pleasure to, to observe training, watch training, see the boys working hard. So, yeah. Well, listen, uh, Jack, thanks very much uh, for your time. I'm sure MD who's listening, uh, they're certainly going to be taking on 
some of those, if not hopefully all of those tips, um, and uh, hopefully we're all we all come out of it safe and uh, fitter and healthier than, than ever. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to finish off with another goal, and it's a goal, another goal from this season. And again, maybe you know it's one of the highlights of the season was that game against Lazio and Rome. And I don't know if that's one of those games where it kind of personifies the, the work that you and your team are doing with the players that we play at the highest level against one of Europe's top teams and our guys are still going in the 94th minute to, to get that win on. That, those sort of games must really please you. Yeah, really, um, everyone was delighted with that game uh, regardless. But yeah, there is, there is something nice about um, getting a late goal like that. And then also, you know, we, we get the, the match stats back, look at how hard everyone's worked and everyone's worked in that game in particular, worked really hard. It was one of our biggest physical efforts of the year. So, um, always pleasing to see the boys do it at that kind of level, but also just com- you know, competing with sides like that. We know what we're capable of on our day, so it's just good to see. Well, for for everyone, just a, a trip down memory lane, that, that wonderful moment at the end of the game at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome when Olivier Encham gave us our first ever competitive win in Italy. Ball's knocked across and they've given it away. Good Celtic score in the last minute. Again, Callum McGregor. Incham! Incham! He scored! Olivia Incham has created Celtic history! And Celtic have won in Italy for the first time ever! Olivia Incham with a goal! Unbelievable! It's unbelievable! Celtic have won! Incredible scenes from Celtic from Olivia Incham. He is the coolest man! In the Stadio Olimpico, he didn't seem to break a sweat, break his stride as he stuck the ball into the net. You can see what it means to the Celtic fans behind the goal, to the Celtic technical area, to Neil Lennon, to us in the press area here. Celtic again capitalising on an error from Lazio at the back. Austin Edward, cool as you like as well, looking to see the pass. Olivier Cham takes a touch and puts it by the goalkeeper. Fantastic from the Frenchman, brilliant from Celtic. Well, it's a miracle because Hatemi Hoibid got off his sick bed and raced down the trackside along with all the other substitutes. Lazio will have no time to get this game underway. Celtic lead by two goals to one in Rome and they are about to go top of the table with 10 points. They are going to be heading through to the last 32 as it stands. Olivia and Cham, the hero, but it's been every Celtic player the hero tonight. <laughs> 